so much going on in the life of the family of God, perhaps so much going on in your life. Here's our 60-second liturgy this morning. Everybody, close your eyes and take a moment with the Lord. We're here together, but he's going to speak to each of you individually. So just uh, close your eyes and give him your, your attention. Give him the eyes of your heart. I'll ask you two questions, uh, and you can answer them in, in partnership with God. You and he can converse about the proper responses. So here's the first. Where have you come from? Where have you come from? What do you and God say about that? Remember. Here's the second question. Where are you going in life? Where are you going in life? You and the Lord can answer that together. Amen to that. Good and fundamentals, fundamental questions to ask at all times because we all are going somewhere in life. Life is progress. Life is a journey. Uh, one way to characterize it is that we go from a place of uh, youth or immaturity to a place of being a grown-up, being a mature. And that's what uh, the current sermon series is about uh, this series is entitled Rhythm for Grown-Ups, or Routines for Grown-Ups. Uh, on our first uh, sermon of the series, we talked about what, in, what being a grown-up is. And we defined it primarily in terms of grown-up virtues, that you are a grown-up mature person if you develop in grown-up virtues, like, you know, commitment, reliability, responsibility, stuff like that. Um, Routines define our lives, and if you have grown-up routines, then you will be a grown-up person, unsurprisingly enough. And then we've talked about some routines, some rhythms that you have to do well in order to be a mature and grown-up person. Uh, we talked about the, the rhythm of rest. If you're going to be a grown-up in this world, if you're going to be a grown-up in the kingdom of God, uh, then you need to rest in a routine way. So mature people rest routinely. Immature people don't rest. They indulge in escapism or avoidance. That's the immature form of rest. Uh, the mature form of rest is you do it routinely and you do it well. When you rest, you rest. You rest in faith. You don't have that anxious, nervous sort of rest. Another routine that's helpful for grown-ups is prayer. Mature prayer is prayer that gets done routinely pretty much all you got to say about that. Immature prayer is, is prayer that just, you know, happens when the mood hits you. And it's not nearly as constructive or blessed in your life. Um, last week we talked about that wonderful grown-up routine of meetings. We talked about routine meetings. 
oh yeah, there's nothing that gets the blood up like meetings. Uh, but committing to routine meetings, maybe a better word would be gatherings uh, for feeding, weeding, and seeding. Now, you have to gather with the people of God in a routine, steady, rhythmic way. Otherwise, you won't feed appropriately. You won't weed appropriately. You won't be turning over the soil in your life, getting rid of stuff that needs to go and, and, and getting planted stuff that needs to be planted. And then seeding, influencing other people. Uh, we do that largely by gathering with other people, surprisingly enough. So meetings with the community of faith has to be a regular part of your life rhythm, your life routine. And today we're going to talk about routine ministry. Routine ministry, which is to say, making ministry a routine part of your life. You know what I mean when I say ministry? Ministry essentially means influencing people for God. Caring for people in a godly, loving, generous way. Empowering people in a loving, godly, generous way. That sort of thing. We call that ministry. Immature believers are open to doing a good and godly thing when opportunities arise or when the season calls for it. But mature people do ministry things routinely, rhythmically. And that's often the difference between, if you'll pardon a shorthand expression, that's often the difference between the mature Christian and the immature Christian. The mature Jesus follower and the immature Jesus follower often the difference between whether or not you minister to people routinely or just every once in a while when a good opportunity arises. Make sense? That's what we're going to talk about today. Mature ministry is routine ministry. So let me ask you another question. Where do you want to go in life? We kind of reflected on a little bit uh, in that brief meditative liturgy that we did, but let me just throw the question out. Where do you want to go in life? Hit me. Where do you want to go in life? Forward. Okay, I will, yeah, acceptable answer. What? To God. to God. You want to go to God. Smart. Not a hard, hard thing to answer. You all probably have ambitions and plans, but when I put it that way, where do you want to go? In life. It ups the ante a little bit, doesn't it? You have, to, well, you have to come up with a significant answer, otherwise Jordan will mock you in front of the other people. <laughs> True. True that. <laughs> you want to go wherever God leads, right? Um, wherever you're going, uh, I would say this. You want to be a certain type of person when you get there. Wherever you're going, you want to be a grown-up when you arrive. Uh, so part of your destination is growing up is being a mature person, uh, which is to say, I think that where, where, when you get to wherever you think you should go in, in life, or perhaps when you get to wherever you think you should go in the next season, uh, you want to be a model for others when you get there. You want to be that kind of person, right? You want to be mature in ways that other people should emulate. You want to be committed, reliable, responsible, all those things. Uh, you want to be a responsible and committed pillar in the kingdom of God. Whatever else uh, you want to do. Whatever else you want to do. Immature people, even when their plans work out, 
Even when immature people experience a great deal of success in life, if they are immature, that success always leads to destruction. You know, and we see this all the time, right? I mean, this is like, what, 50% of our popular media is, is stories about people who are really successful, really rich, really beautiful, whatever it is, who uh, just kind of fall apart uh, because they didn't have, well, maturity in, in some fashion. Then we entertain ourselves uh, by, by reading their uh, dramatic uh, stories. Uh, immature people can't handle success. What is to say they can't really do anything constructive with it. They will have no lasting legacy. They can't build with it. Um, and if you are an immature person who gains success, even if you kind of keep the success going in some fashion, you will do a terrible thing. You will mislead people into thinking that maturity is not necessary to be successful in the world. Perpetuate a lie. And that's the other 50% of our popular media is that we have fantastically immature people trying to uh, you know, sell the world on being successful without being a good person, um, which is a destructive idea. That's bad for society, and let me say with more authority, it's bad for the church. You know, we have Christian superstars, don't we? Uh, we have Christian personalities um, who achieve something, who look good, but are not necessarily modeling grown-up maturity for the rest of the body of Christ. And then we emulate them without really growing up as a rule. You know, we, we pursue their great biblical knowledge without really becoming a good person or something like that. Uh, Jesus interacted with those people a lot uh, during his day. Uh, so, second point. Under this heading... My whole philosophy of ministry is, is this. This is, this is where I want you to go as a leader. My job is not to make you, uh, let me say it this way. My job is not to make you Bible experts. My job is to make you a biblical person, which is to say my job is to make you the sort of person whose story merits a chapter in the Bible. Does that make sense? I don't want you to know the Bible, except insofar as it's a tool to help you grow up <laughs> so that we could share your story with the world and it would be wholesome and constructive and foundational for someone. All right, everybody following me so far? Thanks, Brenda. I want to give you an influential story, and I want to give you an influential uh, character. Uh, that word influential is key. Um, here's the third point under this heading. Life is ministry. You've heard me say that a lot. Uh, and that's a shorthand way to say I think the purpose of this life is ministry, is influencing other people. Right? We do lots of wonderful things during our earthly life. We worship God. That's awesomeness. Um, you know, we praise him, we thank him, we extol him. Um, but we get to do that forever in eternity. The thing that we don't get to do forever in eternity is influencing people toward Jesus. We only get to do that in this life. And so in some sense, that should really be the priority of this life. You following? It's the thing that we get to do uniquely for uh, however many years uh, we are around. Um, so... Minister to others. 
minister to others like a grown-up. We have uh, a few verses. Uh, I would say they're in your program, but we don't have a program today. So you'll have to use one of these things. Or perhaps one of these things. Same, same. <laughs> same, same. If, if you can, uh, you have a good data plan. It all works. Uh, the first scripture for the day is a really famous one. I, I would be mystified if there are anybody here who had not heard this. Uh, even, even if you're not uh, a believer yet, uh, you've probably heard snatches of Jesus' most famous sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this one comes from yeah, sort of the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. You know that one? Yeah. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things. What things? Well, Jesus has been talking about in this passage all the things that we worry about in life. We worry about what people think of us. We worry about whether we're going to have enough money, enough food, or going to look good and have the right clothes. And we're gonna, We worry about tomorrow, you know, are we going to have what we need to get through the day tomorrow or next week or something like that. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. Look, 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 guys, this is what you got to do. You have to seek first the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's called uh, more often in the Gospel of Matthew. Do that and let the other stuff just kind of take care of itself in the, in the train. Seek first his kingdom and everything else will work out. I mean, that's, that's a powerful uh, summary thing to say. What does it mean to seek first his kingdom? Well... We've talked about that a lot uh, at Blue Water Mission. Uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is the order of heaven on earth. He taught us to pray, uh, Father, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to live as if we are already in heaven. That's why we don't worry. Uh, and to bring the order of heaven uh, wherever we go. Right? And there are a whole bunch of ways to do that. Is anybody lonely in heaven? No, so when we bring the kingdom of heaven on earth, we find lonely people and fix it. We give them love, we give them relationship, we give them generosity. Is anybody poor, deprived in heaven? No, so if we are seeking, if we're bringing, if we're manifesting the kingdom of heaven on earth, wherever we find poverty or injustice, we fix it. You know, by generosity or giving of our money or pooling our money or Doing it supernaturally as Jesus sometimes does. Like, well, I've got thousands of people to feed and I've got five loaves and two fish. I'll pray over it and I'll pass it out. Because in the kingdom of heaven, whatever you have is enough to share. Uh, and Jesus modeled that. Is anybody sick uh, in heaven? No. So where we encounter sickness on earth, we cure it. Either through, you know, bringing nutrition and medicine or by supernatural healing. However it works, that's what we need to be about, etc. Anyway, do that first. Make the kingdom, being a kingdom person and doing kingdom, here's the word, ministry, part of your life. And if you make that your priority, then everything else will be fine. That's simple. We can do that. And if you make something a priority, trust me, you're going to make it a routine. It has to be a priority every day, not once a year. Anything that's a priority for you once a year really isn't much of a priority in your life. You get my point? Uh, so 
We've shared a lot of verses from the epistles in this sermon series. So the epistles are a bunch of letters that follow the Jesus stories in the Bible. There are the Jesus stories, we call those gospels. And then after that comes a bunch of letters written by early Christian leaders to various churches or various disciples that they had. And what the epistles are generally, uh, are, they are letters of advice written by the people who were inventing the church, who were interpreting the Jesus teachings and Jesus' life to the world for the first time. So they're kind of like, the epistles are kind of like commentaries on the Jesus stories. Like, well, this is what Jesus did and said, so this is how we should live. That's what most of the epistles are about. And huge portions of the epistles are about maturity. They're about growing up. This is how Paul wraps up, uh, begins to wrap up his letter to the church in Corinth, which was a, a terribly immature church. You know, a successful church in some ways. They had thousands of people, but they were pretty immature people in what was a, a famously immature city. Um, so he's talking to them. He says, you know, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about grace. He's talking about freedom. And then he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Uh, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Uh, what's the work of the Lord? Your ministry, right? Good. Uh, you may move up. Yeah, bringing the kingdom. There's other ways we could say it, but, you know, what was the work of Jesus? Jesus came and he did stuff for people, right? He changed people. He brought the kingdom uh, to people. That's what he did. And we are to share in Jesus' work, which is, you know, the biggest part uh, of our calling on earth. But the way, you know, Paul says it at the end in a summary statement after writing a whole letter about maturity is always... Do not let yourself be moved, he says. So immovably, irresistibly, uncompromisingly do the work of, of the Lord. So if you're doing something immovably and if you're doing it always, let me tell you, you're doing it routinely. You have to. I've just chosen a couple verses, uh, but wherever you go, uh, wherever you read about ministry uh, in the Bible, uh, you're going to be reading about how you have to do it all the time. You have to find a way to, to make it routine. Um, there is no discipleship. How many of you are disciples of Jesus, would you say? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus unless you minister to people. If you're not ministering to people, there is no discipleship in your life. Uh, and we could talk about that a lot, but just consider the way Jesus discipled people. What did he do? He gathered a bunch of people into his mission and then sort of walked with them uh, through life. They did what he did. That's how they matured as individuals. Uh, it's also how they matured uh, as ministers. If you want to grow up in the Lord, you have to minister to others, is a way uh, to say this. If you want to be a grown-up, you have to establish a routine way of doing ministry, or a slightly different way to say it. Grown-up ministry is routine. 
If you have ministry in your life, it's a grown-up ministry if you do it routinely, if you do it daily, weekly, that sort of thing. You don't just do ministry things. You have a ministry. It's part of how you do everything. That, that's the difference. Um, if you just bless someone every so often in a, in a random sort of way, that's great, but you won't develop as a disciple, and you won't really build structures or you won't build a legacy unless you're doing it routinely. Think of trying to exercise once a month. How, how much good does that do you? Some of you are hopeful, <laughs> but honestly, it's not going to work out the way that you think it is. See what I did there? Work out the way that you I'm over halfway through this sermon, but I'm still sharp. Um, there's an immature way to exercise, which is, you know, you're a weekend warrior. Every once in a while, you go out and play rugby with the guys. Good luck. And there's a mature way to do exercise, which is you do it in a routine way. And that will actually improve your life. That will actually increase your capacity uh, to do uh, other stuff. All right. Not all ministry is routine but some of yours has to be routine or else you won't be a grown-up. Um, there are lots of things that I do in ministry that aren't routine. I'll meet some stranger in some random place and I'll have about five minutes to change his life. So, you know, I'll go for it. And some of my most enjoyable stories come from interactions like that. You know, you can change a life in five minutes when you're walking with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, so that's really cool. But, but that does not make me a grown-up. That does not make me the kind of person that I, I really need to be. What makes me the sort of person I need to be is when I get up in the morning and I have my ministry routine, right? There's a way that I attack my ministry challenges. That really shapes my life, and that allows me to build things. Um, you, if you don't make a ministry routine, then you won't do much ministry. If you don't make a ministry routine, you won't do much ministry. Trust me when I say that. Here, here's why I say it. Because ministry is hard because it involves people. And there's nothing harder than ministering to people. People, uh, in general terms, suck. They're just a real pain in the butt. Uh, look to your left and right. Confirmed. Thank you. Uh, so that, that's one really big challenge, you know. People are, people are wonderful, but they are never convenient or easy. Uh, and the world is chaotic and life is chaotic, so if you don't have a routine way of doing ministry, you will just tumble through life and you'll get nothing done. You know, routines define a life. We've talked about that plenty. All right, so let's just end this way. How do you make ministry a routine part of your life? How do you make a ministry routine? Hmm? Have children. Oh, okay, well. Could uh, you guys insert that slide? Because uh, my wife has spoken. Uh, how many of you have children? How many of you have found it necessary to establish routines with said children? Point made. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's tough uh, to raise a kid. It's tough to influence people. Uh, and children are almost people, so, um, so I, think, I think the point bears out. 
Uh, here's, here's the first thing I would say about establishing routine ministry in your life. Uh, figure it out. Figure it out, because what, what is ministry? Well, we could talk endlessly about different examples, different expressions uh, of ministry. The point is to come up with one and just to do it all the time. And, and you need to figure that out. So here, here's an example from my life. For some reason, I was thinking about this. I remember life uh, in, in the very early 90s, about the chain, uh, um, change of the decade. How many of you were alive in 1990? All right, so probably the majority of us. That's great. Um, so this, this was a time, uh, get ready for this, this was a time when email was starting to get big. Yeah, there was, a, there was life before email. I mean, don't even talk about texts and stuff like that, no way. No, nobody, nobody had phones that they carried around with them, or you know, rich people did, but they were hooked to the dashboard in their cars and stuff. There was a time when that was true. I remember it. Uh, yeah, Netscape was the big browser. What's that? Pagers. People used to have pagers, not just drug dealers, but people generally had pagers. Anyway, so uh, I, I started grad school, and, and people were using this email thing to communicate, so I got involved with email. And, and I remember just having this revelation, I could use this to minister to people. I could use this to talk to people. And best of all, I don't really need to converse with them. I could just send them messages. This might change my life, I thought. Uh, and so I immediately established an email routine, a, a ministry email routine, cyber ministry. This is actually why I got involved in email. I'm usually a late adopter of technology, but I jumped in uh, to email. Because, and I gave myself an hour every morning. I, I, would, I called it cyber discipling, which I thought was very clever. But there are a lot of young people, uh, a lot of young people involved uh, in our lives, and, and I, would just send, I would just send them messages. I was praying about you, and this is what the Lord said, and, and then they would write back to me, and it felt like we were rediscovering communication, you know? It was like the world, the world was, was revolutionized. Uh, but, but you see what I did? I immediately established a routine. This might be useful. I'm going to work it in my life. How am I going to do that? Routinely. Uh, that's how I do it. So uh, I would spend an hour in the morning on weekdays uh, emailing. I, I did, you know, academic business occasionally uh, as well. Um, so don't send me a lot of emails requesting discipleship uh, because I get about 150 uh, requests like that uh, a day, and I won't answer yours probably. Uh, if, I, if I do answer it, I won't answer it routinely. <laughs> I'll answer email every once in a while. Um, as, as the Lord leads. Uh, but figure out something in your life. What are you going to use? How are you going to leverage something to influence people? How are you going to work it into to your, your, your schedule? Um, I will do this every week to influence people for Jesus. What is that for you? Figure it out. You have to if you're going to be a grown-up. Okay, some tips for having a grown-up ministry. Uh, and nothing else, go to an Ohana group. Go to a small group. How many of you are involved in one of our Ohana groups or some other kind of small group meeting at Blue Water Mission? Raise your hands high and proud. Okay, so if you're not, uh, then, uh, well, one, you're not meeting routinely, uh, as you should. So that's probably a disadvantage. Uh, but you are going to have uh, probably less likelihood of 
of having a routine ministry uh, if you're not in a group that sort of helps you foster that uh, in your life. If you go to one of our Ohana groups regularly or some other sort of small group meeting, then you might find someone in the group that you want to minister to. Uh, or maybe there's someone in the group, uh, maybe there's someone that you want to invite to the group as a form of ministry. Small groups are, are great contexts for that. Uh, or maybe there's someone in the group that you can partner with to do some sort of ministry routinely, right? So that happens in small groups as well. So uh, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. If you want to do ministry routinely, get into a small group, get into an Ohana group. And uh, if you're struggling with uh, ministry routine, that will solve about 90% of the challenge right there. So if you're gonna come ask me uh, for advice about your ministry life and you're not in a small group, don't come. Don't ask me for advice. Um, and uh, we'll have new small group offerings in January, right? Or, yeah, January we'll have the offerings out. But there are small groups taking place even now. Uh, number two, uh, it helps to have specific people uh, that you're ministering to. In other words, you should have people assignments. Um, there are some of you uh, in this church that I'm assigned to right now. Right? You know, for, for this season, I'm going to pester you. I'm going to bug you. I'm going to speak into your life whether you want me to do it or not. Now, how many of you don't want me to do it? Oh, I was sure somebody would raise their hand. Given that opportunity, that was a softball, people. Um, I think and pray about this a lot. I mean, there are, I mean, I do, I do ministry a lot during my days, and there are far too many individuals in my life to, for me to give individual attention to uh, every day. So I just, I just pray about this and I think about it. All right, who, who should I, who am I assigned to this day or this week or this month or over the next quarter, Lord? And, and, and the Lord will, will just point people out to me, and then I'm going to get on your case uh, at least for a while. Um, there are very few people that I can meet with weekly, just given the nature of my life, uh, but there are a huge number of people that I meet with regularly, and um, that's, just, that's just wisdom. And it helps to have people that you feel assigned to. And if you don't feel assigned to help particular people in this church, outside of this church, in your family, at your work, uh, at school, if you don't feel like you have a people assignment, take that up with the Lord. And he will give you one, two, three people uh, that you're going to influence. Come hell or high water, come heavenly order, you're going to do it. And that's a great way to establish routine. Uh, number three, do a service ministry. Can I hear an amen? amen? You know, I mentioned that the people that arrived early and stayed late to take care of the Christmas concert stuff last night were the same people that I saw here early this morning. And they're probably the same people who will stay late after church to break down the stage and put away the chairs and stuff like that. Lots of great service ministry opportunities. Mia got up and talked about becoming the person that helps minister to the keiki. Well, man, you want a great service discipleship type opportunity. I mean, what's, what's better than that? Uh, and, you know, they, they will accept uh, your input uh, wonderfully. You get to be part of a compassionate and, and uh, mission-oriented team. 
get into something. I mean, there are a hundred different opportunities around Blue Water. You should not be stuck for ideas. This doesn't have to be like the ministry calling of your life. It just needs to be a routine way to minister. Okay. And let me interject here that I would choose routine ministry over grand ministry any day. Because routine ministry changes you and it changes the world. You know, that grand ministry calling thing. I mean, we only get there by being grown-ups and we only grow up by doing routine things. Um, so, far better to have a routine ministry than one that, you know, you think is going to be your grand calling in life. So, get into a service ministry. Serve routinely. That's a great way to grow up. Um, extra credit if you're doing a service ministry. Extra credit. You get extra credit if you do it with someone else. If you bring someone else along uh, in your service, in your routine uh, service ministry. Because then you're killing two birds with one stone. I'm a vegetarian. You're cutting two apples with one knife. Um, you know, you're serving. You're doing sort of a service ministry. You're blessing people that way. And then you're partnering. You're discipling. You're maybe got a, a mutually influential relationship with someone next to you. Which leads to my final tip. Uh, the phrase, with someone else, is a super potent phrase in the ministry world. If you are completely stuck for ways to minister, then do something significant-ish. Let's say it together. With someone else. Whatever you do, do it with someone else. Good. Uh, because then you have a high chance of actually influencing someone. If you're doing a bad thing, don't do it with someone else. But if you're doing a good thing, do it with someone else. Right. And, and suddenly, like magic, you're a minister. It's amazing how it works. Right? So you came, you came to church today. Here's an idea. Come to church. And suddenly you're ministering. Suddenly you're gathering, right? You go to a Christmas concert last night, right? It's a great venue. Ministry happened, presentation, truth happened, glory happened. Go to the Christmas concert. Glorious. You're going to stack the chairs after church. Stack the chairs. If, if you go to seed, go to seed. Brilliant. I, I feel like we're, we're mounting the learning curve here. Right? And suddenly you're a minister. Um, and if you do things routinely with someone else, uh, then you're a routine minister. It's not rocket science. It's routine. and you need a ministry routine. Or you'll be immature uh, for the rest of your life, and that would suck. That was my big finish. <laughs> Have the worship team uh, come up, and, and let's just pray and uh, let the Spirit work this into our bones a little bit.
Tis the season of, uh, of Emmanuel, Father. Tis the season of God with us. Uh, Jesus came and, and did life with someone else. He did life with us and, and, and ministered to us and, and changed us. Um, I pray, Lord, that uh, in the same way we would be about the work of the Lord, that we would be about the kingdom first and foremost. Uh, make us wise, but make us tenacious, stubborn, that we influence people for good in a routine way. Even now, Lord, I pray that you'd inspire us uh, with ideas and, uh, and commitment. This is what I will do each week. Here's a little something I'll do every day. 